there's a website called The Experience Project, and it describes itself as the place to share life experiences from people just like you. Visitors to the site are asked to share their thoughts, their thoughts about experiences, life experiences, as they're asked questions like this. What does loneliness feel like? Or this question, who do you want to spend time with? Uh, another example is, what is your favorite pastime? They ask these questions and people respond. Well, there was one post where readers were asked to respond to the following statement. I prefer darkness over light. A young woman going by the screen name of Beyond Repair, she offered a particularly honest and insightful response. Here's what she wrote. I prefer darkness over light. The darkness allows me to hide who I am and what I truly feel. In the light, all things have a chance to be revealed. Darkness makes it easier to hide. In the dark, you cannot see what is coming next. The darkness is a place where you can lose yourself. Lost in the dark is a great place to be because then you are free from what you were and you can be what you want. Listen to this. The darkness is bliss. Beyond repair, find comfort in losing herself in the darkness. I find a sadness in that statement. It's sad because as people of the word, we know we were created to live in light. In the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 1, it is darkness that blankets the water-soaked chaos. And without God's action, the natural state of the earth would have been that of wasteland, uh, emptiness, darkness. A darkness where evil forces have their way with no one to stop them. Darkness. The absence of goodness. So what is the first thing that God creates in the darkness of earth? Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 says this, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now notice what the presence of light does in verse 4. It says this, God saw, he looks at it, and he sees that the light was good. With the light comes goodness. But since the fall, like the young lady beyond repair, we prefer the darkness. In fact, even the people of God prefer the darkness. Bible scholar Chad Bird, he explains it this way. He says, when Jeremiah warns the idol-worshiping Israelites that God is about to stomp their land into oblivion, he reaches back to Genesis to hammer home his point. And Jeremiah says this, he said, the earth has become formless and empty. Again, their light was gone. Jeremiah 4.23. He goes back to Genesis 1 verse 2. Isaiah also reveals the effect of humanity's rebellion by saying this, the line of chaos and the plumb line of desolation are stretched over the land. Isaiah 34 verse 11. You see, sin, sin is the attempt to undo the good that God has done. It is our attempt to bring darkness to the place where God created light. We could think of it this way. When God's Spirit hovered over the darkness and created light, created goodness, humanity now hovers over the light and goodness 
And through sin and death, we try to bring darkness back, the undoing of God's creation. And I think this is in keeping with what the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah show us. You see, even after God set Israel free from their slavery in Babylon, Israel continued to be sinful. They continued to be disobedient. And listen to the disabling and depressing darkness that Israel was in. Isaiah 59 verse 10 says this, God's people would treat one another in such evil ways, making it so dark that, quote, like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. And at midday, at noon, we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong, we are like the dead. Isaiah 59.10. So where did all this darkness come from that Isaiah is talking about? Well, he tells us in Isaiah 59 verse 15. Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil, these are people who resist sinfulness. Whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The message puts it this way. Anyone renouncing evil is beaten and robbed. Isn't it interesting? Even in Isaiah's time, there was a cancel culture. Preferring darkness, even God's people tried to hide the light of God's truth. Darkness has always tried to hide the light. And watch how God responds to this in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 2. He says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and the thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. That phrase, arise, shine, it could be translated like this. Get up, be light. He's saying to the people, be light. Well, what's, what's he talking about? God is commanding his people to protest darkness, to push against the darkness. God's people are to let their light shine. Now, back in Isaiah 60, verse 3, there's a reason God's people are to shine. Listen to what it says. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. There's a further description of what this will look like at the beginning of verse 6. It says this, A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. And listen to what the nations will bring as they follow the light God shines. It says this, They shall bring gold and frankincense, and they shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Wait, you're getting ahead of me. You're already putting the pieces together, aren't you? You went there. So tell me, what is Isaiah pointing to as he talks about camels, as he talks about gold and frankincense? You got it. He's pointing forward to the Christmas story. He's pointing to the night of Jesus' birth when the light of glory shone brightly on the fields of Bethlehem. And when that star shone above the fields, listen to what Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 2 says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from where? The east came to Jerusalem 
And they asked, where is the one who has been born, king of the Jews? Catch this. We saw his star, his light, when it rose and we have come to worship him. Now jump down to verses 9 and 10. It says this. They went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Do you see what Matthew is saying? The Magi. The Magi came from the east to see this newborn king, Jesus, because their curiosity was stirred by Isaiah's prophecy. They acted on what they came to understand from Isaiah in chapter 60, verses 1 to 2. The Magi. They were diligent in their studies of Isaiah's prophecy. They even knew what gifts to bring King Jesus, gold and frankincense. If we're going to push back the darkness, like the Magi, disciples of Jesus need to know God's word, and we need to follow where it takes us. Psalm 119, verse 105, it says this, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and a what? Light unto my path. God's word lights the way for each step of faithfulness, so we do not trip, so we can avoid being deceived. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of what? Light. Here's a question it raises. Do you know and practice God's word with such diligence that you can tell the difference between the truth of God's word and the counterfeit of what Satan says? 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Walking implies living. As we live God's word, it gets in us. It purifies our thinking. It purifies our actions. So please catch this. If God's word is simply knowledge we have or information that we will file away, The truth is, nothing will change us. Nothing will change in us. The power of God's word cleanses us as we practice living it. Also, notice what the Magi saw and did. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. The Magi see Jesus. They see Mary, and their response is worship. Why worship? Did they see a palace of such splendor that it took their breath away and it inspired them to worship? Was Mary Mary wearing a crown on her head with royal servants around her, letting the Magi know they should worship the infant king? Was Jesus wearing a purple and gold robe of a king? Is that why they worship? No. So maybe maybe Jesus was carrying a sword in one hand and a royal scepter in the other, showing his power, showing his authority. Is that why they worshipped him? Nope. All the Magi see is the son of a peasant carpenter 
And Jesus is likely toddling around with a diaper on and a simple peasant woman. That is all they see. But instead of seeing an unworthy boy, the Holy Spirit in their hearts revealed to them that he was the king of Israel. How do you push back the darkness? Church, we need to have faith to see the full splendor of Jesus. We see it by faith. The Magi worshipped, even though all they saw was Jesus as a peasant boy. And I wonder what they would have done. I wonder what they would have done in the presence of the resurrected Jesus. What does Jesus look like now? What does Jesus look like today? We had this text a couple weeks ago, but it's worth repeating. Revelation 1, 12 to 16. As I read it, notice all the images of light used to describe Jesus. Here it is. Verse 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool and as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth, mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. And his face, his face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. Jesus is majestic. Jesus is worthy of worship. In this text, Jesus is light. In fact, upon seeing Jesus, Revelation 1.17 says, John fell to his feet as though dead. All the Magi saw was a toddler, that they, and they worshipped. Do we as Christians worship Jesus with greater reverence, greater devotion than the Magi did, because our faith sees Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords? Church, we push back the darkness when we give Jesus our hearts in worship. Again, this is what Isaiah prophesied would happen. Pick your verse, Isaiah 60, verse 6, verse 9, verse 13. All of them show the nations bringing their worship, praising God and honoring the Lord. Henry Nguyen describes a carved nativity scene he once saw at a church. Under the altar in the sanctuary, there were three small wood-carved figures, a poor woman, a poor man, and a small child between them. The carving is simple, nearly primitive. There were no eyes, there were no ears, no mouths, just the contours of the faces. And the figures are smaller than a human hand, nearly too small to attract attention at all. But then, a beam of light shines on the three figures, and it projects large shadows on the wall of the sanctuary. And that says it all. The light thrown on the smallness of Mary, Joseph, and the child it projects them as large, hopeful shadows against the wall of our life and our world. And while looking at the intimate scene, we already see the first outlines of the majesty and the glory that they represent. Without the radiant beam of light shining into the darkness, there is little to be seen. But everything changes with the light. 
In Philippians chapter 2.15, Paul commands believers, be blameless, be innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Catch this. Among whom you, church, shine as lights in the world. As a Christ follower, how are each of us pushing back the darkness? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, enlighten our hearts by your holy radiance, that we may serve you without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life, that we may survive the storms of this world, and with you for our guide, that we may receive the rest of eternal brightness through your mercy, Lord Jesus. Jesus, who lives, who rules over all things forever. Amen.